Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here to discuss day three of training camp today. Joining me, Ed Romeo of Local Boards. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be on. Always, always a pleasure to talk football with you. This is about your fourth time now being on the pod? I, I believe so. Okay, that's that's great. We had some good discussions about Miles Boykin and other stuff I remember in the past. And I oh, always yeah. appreciate talking football with you. He's at K Brizzles on Twitter. If you want to follow him there, uh, a lot of people know him just by his board handle, though, of Ed Romeo. Let's talk news today. A uh, bunch of people missing practice. We'll go through that first. Uh, it's one of the hardest things to hear about camp, but Lamar Jackson, of course, and Gus Edwards both out with COVID, as we know. Uh, Marquise Brown uh, missed another day, sidelined with what they think is a muscle injury, what Harbaugh has reported is that. Still does not think it is serious, but it's another day missed. Uh, some others that are missed today, other than the, the long-term injuries, which are uh, Stanley, Alaka, Breland, Boyle, Marshall and James uh, where Ben Bredesen was out and I did not hear a reason. And then uh, uh, Derek Wolf was out and Brandon Williams was out, both of whom may be veteran days off. Not 100% sure of those two, but probably more likely than not. All right. How about individual players? We usually have been doing this on an alternating format here. So, Ed, why don't you go first? Talk about a player or something that really stood out to you at camp today. So, um, person that stood out to me today was Eli Wolf. Um, I thought that he made 
a number of, of catches and it was, I was just surprised that he, he looked very fluid out there. Um, and one thing I did notice that stood out to me is like when they kind of broke up to do um, some receiving, he went with Andrews and Oliver um, as opposed to going with the, the more the blocking tight end. So that, that kind of stood out to me also. That's uh, that's interesting. So it's it certainly it is a very crowded group. I still think they have some trouble picking the, the last guys. Oliver's really looked the part to me physically. He's certainly quite a specimen. Wolf probably a little less so. Uh, Breland, who was in the mix last year, has uh, missed every practice so far and, and just seems to have continual problems uh, getting past his injury issue. So I, I, I guess at this point... It's a sad thing, but but he may not uh, ever play in the NFL. Wolf did look great today, I thought, um, and uh, and that really was something that uh, that I noted as well. As he had a very nice grab that got the oohs and ahs of the cr- cross go- uh, from the crowd going, moving from left to right on the field fairly early in the practice. Yep. All right, I'll, t- I'll tell you one player who's been disappointing to me in so far, and we've talked about him on, on the last show, but he actually had a drop in class this time, so it's really got to be reported. I- Andre Smith uh, demoted to the twos uh, this game, so he had been starting at left tackle in the absence of Ronnie Stanley. And that's something that you know the Ravens would probably like to find a swing tackle option that makes sense for them. Uh, I just don't think Andre Smith is that guy. He's looked really slow afoot. He looks overweight to me, uh, got chewed out a couple of times after some pass blocking mistakes yesterday on the first day. He just looked slow in terms of uh, really not being able to mirror Tyus Bowser uh, on some plays I was watching him. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be an answer at swing tackle this year. Yeah, the uh, I was surprised when I read that um, he was with the first unit and mm-hmm. In the back of my mind, I think that in a pinch, they would go with Alejandro if it was like game, you know, like, mm-hmm. but I think they're trying to see who can do it. And I think today I, I didn't get a good vantage point of that side of the line, but it looked like Phillips was there That's from right. what I saw the most. So maybe they did learn something and they learn, you know, maybe Andre Smith has played his way out of that conversation. Yeah, it, it, that certainly could be the case. And I think you're right about Villanueva that, that he would probably start the season there if Ronnie Stanley weren't available, but the club, the responsibilities of right tackle, very different for the Ravens at left tackle. They're different, but they're not as different. And because Villanueva has played left tackle all those years at Pittsburgh, I think they're more comfortable with him jumping in there. And as you say, they want to see who else can do it. And I think they also want to get him used to playing right tackle in the Ravens system and be yep. able to to jump in with the first game of the season, hopefully having Ronnie Stanley back. Oh, fingers, double cross, fingers yeah. and toes. <laughs> wow. Uh, I think that's it for that. We, another player? Um, yeah, somebody that stood out to me um, was Ardarius Washington. Um, when uh, he was, with, well, I hope it's Ardarius Washington, number 47. That's him. All right. So, um, when they were in the kind of 11 on 11s toward the end, he made a, a number of plays. Uh, one, what looked like to me, it would have been a sack on the left side where he, he's either at strong safety or he was at nickelback and he came in just on maybe it was a read blitz or a call blitz came in for what would have been a sack, I thought. And on the, on the other side, there was a, a sweep to his side where he came up in the alley as the force player and kind of made them bounce the run. So that uh, I I was surprised to see uh, in general, I was surprised to see how good the defense was and his plays kind of stood out to me as well. That's at first I thought it was a linebacker and I was like, Oh wait, that's a little fella. Yeah. He's he's, uh, he's only 5'8". Uh, he certainly does make his presence felt. I thought he had been up and down the first two days of camp, but I, th- I agree with you today. He definitely stood out today, made some plays. Uh, and and it's, it is those things for the nickel role or potentially for a dime role in his case that are going to keep him on this team. He won't make it exclusively on special teams because 
the Ravens really de- demand something else also of their core special teams players. So it'll have to be he can play special teams and he can play nickel or he can have some role in the dime, whether that's split on the back end, whether that's a guy up in the box, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, seeing those those indications are good things. Uh, from our Darius Washington. We do want to be careful about not calling out specific bliss patterns and whatnot. That's fine, Ed. I'm sure right. I didn't give away anything the team didn't know, but we're just real careful about that. And 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 uh, I am trying to make a point of not – I don't want to be on the borderline, so I'll, I'll be more g- general. Then I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn my uh, left and right limits. There you go. All right. Outstanding. Uh, I'll come up with the, the, the player I think was was the most dominant in camp today. And for me, that was Justin Matabike. Uh, he's in the backfield all day long, uh, penetrated uh, by Powers and Bozeman on a run play or early on, really set the tone. Then he had consecutive pressures on the first one. He beat Bozeman. I did not see who he beat the second time around, but that was a nice one as well. And then in the two minute drill, he came back and knocked down a pass from McSorley. So uh, McSorley's unit went three and out during the two-minute drill. Usually each quarterback uh, gets one sort of drive and the defense one big to, to take them three and out right away. Uh, and then uh, one of those three plays was the was the knockdown play, the, sec- the second down play by Matabike. So uh, Huntley did a little better. We'll talk about that later. But uh, but I, that was very interesting to me to see Matabike step forward so much. W- one more thing I'll just say about Justin is that when you watch Justin Matabike in defensive line drills, they have these pylons that they use and a, uh, bl- a blocking dummy that they club to the ground. A lot of people are good at one or the other. They either club very hard or they're very good with their feet. Matabike is really the only current Raven that I really see being good with both. Extraordinary feet to get over those pylons and get through that drill. And it's kind of like work your way around and club the thing to the ground. He's, he's exceptional uh, at doing that and really looks good in that drill. You can see the differences. Even Calais Campbell, he clubs like a mofo but he but when he when he's going over those pylons he has trouble and he often often trips or knocks him over or whatever so uh you know it's uh it really like what i'm seeing out of at bk i'm expecting a big leap forward this year yeah i um justin was one of my favorite prospects coming out you know so i, I like to watch those cut-ups and he came out back when there was this um a database that was out that compiled all like all 22 cutups for different players. I can't remember the, the name of it, but it's now going away. But um, mm-hmm. I remember watching some of, some of his stuff and he is surprisingly like he, he plays like a three technique. And I think he really has potential in that role. And I think I recall he had a decent amount of, 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 of pressures. Uh, so as far as the defensive line goes, it's like from where I, I was, I don't have a good vantage point at all. So that's good to hear about, about Justin. And I do have high, high hopes for him as well. Yeah, he really, somebody asked me about his size today and he's 6'3", 293, which is, it's it's lean, uh, but he's very muscular. Uh, it, it almost doesn't look like that could possibly be his weight, but maybe, maybe, maybe couldn't possibly be his height, honestly. Maybe he's a little bit shorter than that, but uh, he plays bigger than that. Uh, he's got very heavy hands and uh, it's good to see. I, I, I just, I'm expecting such big things from him. I'm really looking forward to this year. Uh, I, I wanted to, uh, I have a question for you about the uh, D-line. Like, one of my concerns is that there isn't a lot of young talent yes. coming up on the D-line. <laughs> and it's like, I, and, and, and I think that Justin's going to be good in, in, in his own right. But, you know, I worry that what if he's the only one, <laughs> you know, like. Yes. Everybody else is over 30. Um, it's a legitimate thing. Broderick Washington is the only other young guy. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to be sticking around forever. He's actually probably on the roster bubble this year. So there'll be questions about that. But the other guys are all over 30. And that means Ellis and, and Williams and Campbell and Wolf, of course. Uh, not that they're not good. They are. But they're getting, they're getting to a point in their careers where they get hurt more. And we've seen some of that last year. And they're also at a point where they're going to have to be replaced. The team has so much invested in hope in Matabike 
uh, and the other draftable positions are actually probably harder to find. Like the penetrating three tech, that's a that's a more standardized D line body type, and you've got a larger pool of players who meet that, but not other positions. Five tech, you need a real tall guy, you need good length, you need all the you know a lot of the difficulties you have at tackle, and you know nose tackle, you need a monster. So so those also there are a limited number of behemoths who I can actually move well enough in the NFL to play. So in in a way they've got hopefully a very good player, but at the easiest position to draft for. Yeah. Uh, another player you want to bring up or you want me to go ahead with my next? That's uh, yeah. I, I don't have another particular player that stood out as far as um, like as my player of the day. Um, so like to use that term, I, I did think that on down here, I have uh where was it? I had Oliver had a couple catches that that mm-hmm. stood out to me. Uh, it seemed like it seems like Oliver, based on where he is with the usage, I feel like he's not like a lock, but it seems like when he seems to be in the top of the chain as far as the tight end usage goes, when the lead units are on the field. Yeah, I, I agree. So, so Oliver would. I think it's Oliver's job to lose at this point. They, they, there is uh, uh, Boyle will not be there to start the season. I think that's that's probably the thinking now. Uh, means he might be a few weeks in. Hopefully, it won't be very long. That probably increases the chance for a player like Tomlinson to make the team. Uh, but I think Oliver is also in a good position. They may decide that they can they can do the stuff they did last year with only having three guys and Ricard around. Uh, this is also a, a year where they're going to have the three-week IR. So they may play, I don't know but if you want to call it that, but they may play some games with that in terms of trying to get players onto IR and back off IR and whatnot. And uh, and they have some tools to do that. So the Ravens are perfectly capable and they know the tricks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Oliver is a, is a player I think is probably going to make it. Uh, he would really have to lose it himself at this point based on how good he's been. And uh, like kind of keeping with the, the tight ends. Um, I thought that uh, I think I saw Tony Puljan have a grab uh, from the attached tight end spot um, on the right side. So uh, that was nice to see for one of the, I, I feel like he was the only one of the kind of the blocking tight ends that kind of, that, that did something in the past game. Uh, and I, I also did notice that, um, ben, ben Mason looks like a tight end, although he wears 38. He's a he's he's not like a short squatty looking fullback type. So I was encouraged by that. Yeah, Ben Mason's not uh, of the typical weight the Ravens would have a tight end. I mean, he's a 242 or something like that. Uh, he, he has almost no pass catching history. I think he caught three balls at Michigan, but we de- did see a wheel route out of him today. So, you know, we saw a few, a f- few little options, some willingness to throw him the football. I think um, they did it with Ricard and they converted mm-hmm. him into a, you know, a serviceable guy who can really help them uh, offensively. If they're looking for inline guys, they may be looking for Tomlinson who would be the real one who would uh, do more. Tony Polgen, if you want to go young, you, you know, you go him, he's a monster at six, seven and, what 280 or something uh he's a, he's a very big guy so they've got they've got options if they want big and they've got options if they want receivers i think you know after andrews oliver is probably then going to be the next best guy to give them some real re- receiving threat uh and, and you know maybe you're right that eli wolf is another guy who gets a chance due to injury perhaps uh and, and could be along at some point there might be some tall grass that might catch eli toward the end of uh preseason yeah, you never know. IR. Amoria phlebitis is the Bart Simpson disease to get out of test taking. That's why I was <laughs> okay, <calling>. all right. <laughs> uh, good battle today between Bateman and Humphrey. Uh, so I thought uh, Rashad Bateman uh, has, has, I think, looked pretty good in three days of camp. I don't think there's anything that I would say, boy, he's not doing that so far, or he can't figure that out. Um, he has had a couple drops. Uh, I, I you know, That was one of the primary concerns from camp, but he also runs routes very smoothly. Uh, he's, he's very uh, fluid at the top of the route, as we expected it to be. He caught a touchdown pass over Humphrey Day. Humphrey turned it around on him the next play and knocked down a pass in the end zone. Uh, one thing I want to say about this before I move on is that 
defensive backs hate this sort of training camp where they're not really allowed to make any physical contact. Mm -hmm. Every ball that is a typical practice quarterback throw, the throw in the bucket, the long arcing balls, they basically say, oh, crap, I can't touch this receiver in any way, shape, or form. I've got to make a play on the football, and that's very difficult. I can't run through him. And, and they, plus, they're going to be mad at me if I run through him. So they, so they really try and avoid that contact. And, and it really, a player like Humphrey who lives off contact uh, you know, and, and lives off using that baseball bat of a right arm of his yeah. to dislodge the football must hate that. Uh, and I never want to say that a player wouldn't go – full tilt against another player. But in the back mm -hmm. of my mind, sometimes I wonder, is Humphrey sometimes, you know, giving the young guys a chance before he turns on the juice all the way on them? Well, I mean, I think I think he's really under orders to do exactly that. If he if he started clubbing players to to knock the ball free, I think I think he would take some heat for that because you you, you so much of what you do has to be to avoid injury. Even right now, they won't any sort of a push in the back of a running back really gets called out. You know, if, if I, I saw that happen, uh, Smoke Mizell, that was the guy, and Judon, I think, pushed him down from behind. And it was a it was a harmless enough thing, but he just kind of beaten Judon to the outside. That was the only way Judon had that he could make contact with him, and he pushed him, and he went down, and, and the coaches were on it right away. They're like, you can't do that. Don't right. push him in the back. Well, yeah. 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 Uh, Sammy Watkins. Another pretty big day today. Lots of catches. Uh, he really seems to thrive in this kind of environment. He's another guy I really want to see in a more physical environment, in the preseason games, in the regular season as well. What we've seen so far is great. It's also very limited in terms of the contact. And Sammy in particular has to play through a ton of contact because he's not the fastest guy in the world. So he's a player who's going to have to uh, make his living catching contested balls uh, and do it when they're actually being contested. Yeah. And speaking of, I, I want to get back to Sammy Watkins real quick, but speaking of contested catches, they did a drill that that I haven't seen before. Yeah. It's the uh, it's the one receiver is in the center and there's two mm -hmm. receivers flanking them to each side, but those two receivers act as defensive backs, and the receiver in the center has to go for the ball while they're like slapping his hands and trying to knock his hands down. So I thought that was I thought that was a really cool drill, creative drill that I'm going to steal and pass out to my coach friends. Yeah, I, I don't know what they call that. I, I noticed it today, too, and double bumping and whatnot. Keith Williams was getting involved in that. He really wanted to be a defender. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's it not not a lot of catches in that drill. I actually recorded it early, from early on in the session because one of the early drills uh, marked. But uh, um, 15 had a drop. Uh, first one was dropped by Bateman, but then he came back and made a catch. But there weren't a whole lot of catches. And then the catch of the group was James Prochet going up high between yep. two defenders to bring a yep. ball down. So, yeah, I, I love that drill. I, I had the same reaction to it that you did. And, and it's, it's one of those – one of those only things you see at this point in camp, which isn't this kind of seven on seven backyardy football that, that, that is, uh, that is more, uh, contested to it. Right. And, and swinging that back to, to Watkins, I was surprised to see where, I'm not sure how far we can go talking about this, but I was surprised to see where he lined up and, and he, he was, Watkins looks better than I expected. This is my first day out at camp. So, mm -hmm. It was it was nice to see people live, and he uh, he looked he looked better than than I expected. So uh, I, I saw him win in a couple routes. He had that one nice one. It was a corner route toward the uh, on the right side, and I was like, "Oh, he he still has some juice left in him." So I, sure. I was pleasantly surprised by by Watkins. And I do have a question for you. Um, I wasn't there previously when um, Hollywood was there. And from mm -hmm. what I was hearing about the reports, if based on how people look today, if Hollywood looked that much better, then I don't know. Is I feel like very bullish about this receiving group if Hollywood looked the way that he looked compared to what I saw today. 
Yeah, I, I'd say uh, the, the things I look for in camp are I want to see receivers beat uh, defensive backs with double moves and other forms of trickery and good cuts uh, and really get separation that way. And it, it, they, they'll be able to do about 90% of that during the regular season. Not 100 because there's more contact anyway, but, but they'll be able to do about 90% of that during the regular season. Hollywood was beating people on double moves yesterday, and, and or two days ago, I should say, on the first day of camp. And that was really something special to watch because he wasn't open by five yards. He was open by 15. Ooh. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, he, he had some really great reps. The, the great rep today was from Mark Andrews, who got way behind Dalen Hayes, I think it was, uh, for, for a touchdown pass. That was nice. Uh, he also uh, beat somebody else for a touchdown on a diving grab but but yep. got way behind on, on another so uh, uh good days there as well i got one defensive back i want to talk about if or actually i got two i think if uh, if we got time for that I'll, I'll start with nigel warrior he had the second pick at camp ripped the ball away from um i do not know how to pronounce this guy's name victor benjamin is that correct or is it benjamin it might be the the j is an h but i'm just guessing yeah. at that name too all right, and I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm sorry, Victor, that I don't have your name, but Nigel Warrior uh, took the ball away, looked real good doing it. Uh, he, they've been moving him around a little bit. He got some time at corner, but uh, but I think he'll be more likely to make this team at safety. And and he if he does make the team, it'll be for special teams, but also be for what he can contribute to a dime package. My guess is based on what we've seen so far that Nigel Warrior is a guy who starts the year on the practice squad, gets a chance due to injury if if uh, if at all, and that would be uh, you know a good route like a lot of players have in this league i got another player i want to talk about the sean wade he had uh about three good reps that i'd really point to today and i want to talk through these uh, because each of them had a little something uh that was there the first was on a wide receiver screen pass pretty simple little play but sean wade is known for his length and he tylen wallace was trying to block him and sean wade was able to uh get off that block using his length very important for him to be able to do whether he's on the outside or in the slot is be able to get off blocks and get to a ball carrier of, of any sort. It's probably even more important in the slot where he'll likely play. And then he had two other plays. One, we had tight coverage of uh, Jay uh, number 10 now. Uh, Jalen Moore. I believe Jalen Moore. They, I want to call him Jalen Smith for some reason. Okay. On a throw deep middle. And then he had a PD in the end zone uh, where again, he went up high for the ball, used his length well. And, uh, and you really notice just how long his arms are. I mean, they're, they're exceptional about an inch and a half, two inches longer than, than a lot of people, his height. And he'll be able to reach into the body much better. Uh, you know, all the rules protect the receiver, but when, when a, when a defensive back is close and the catch is contested long, arms are a huge asset i was i was actually surprised and i guess this is the part of of the season where they tried people in different places i was surprised to see wade getting a chance at outside corner because i remember at, at ohio state he was excellent in the slot uh in That's 2019 right. i believe mm -hmm. and then um like he was talked about around third round or so and then this past season you know all the complications of the past season, he was outside corner and did not have a good season. So I was, um, it's interesting to see the Ravens give him, it's almost like, Hey, maybe whatever happened in 21, we're going to give him a chance at outside corner and not just box him into slot only. Although he may eventually go back to the slot because of all the, you know, Tavon Young health issues and that type of thing. Yeah, I, I think the slot is where he has his best chance to excel, but I'm with you. And, and it, it is, the Ravens got him cheap, just frankly, because he did not have a good year on the outside in 2020. And I, I first of all, he's getting chances on the outside along with some safeties as well mm -hmm. because the Ravens are just real short on corners right now. For, for you know, they didn't have Marcus Peters uh, for what a day one day in there they didn't have uh, anthony avert for two and Tavon young still hasn't lined up on any of the three days for 11 on 11 so yeah. we still have to uh wait for him to come Tavon's out there he's doing individual drills looks like he's going to be ready to go they just have, they're not ready to put him in on 11 11 yet and i think that'll that'll come but uh but we're not there yet so lots of good opportunities for players like warrior and and westry and uh, wade all the w's to, to get to get in there and get a chance yep yeah. 
Westry, right. um, oh, side note, Westry is the tallest DB I've ever, the tallest corner yeah. I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he's he's a monster, that's for sure. He's all all arms and legs and uh, and a terrific looking corner from, from yesterday. Uh, you know, he came to the Ravens at the end of last season. I thought, you know, they're getting this guy to play safety in the dime package because at this size, he can't possibly be an outside corner. He's got blazing speed. Uh, blazing speed. I mean, it's just uh, really nice to see a guy like that. Not, not sure if he's going to be able to cut on the outside the way he needs to. Uh, seemed to use his length pretty well these first two days, so uh, didn't see too much from him today. But he's a, he's a he's a very uh, intriguing prospect who very well might make the roster. And if he doesn't make the roster, I think he's some some somebody other teams will look to poach. So uh, you know he'll probably get a chance somewhere. I'm going to go to another player is Tyson Williams uh, had a little bit of problems hang, hanging on to the football today and early in practice. They had a couple pitch plays during the run drills. Uh, one of them he bobbled and they had him take another. Maybe maybe he was going to take that anyway. Maybe he wasn't. Uh, same kind of an option play and it went right through his hands. So that's the kind of thing. Unfortunately, that can lose your points pretty quickly with John Harbaugh. And uh, Tyson Williams is a guy the Ravens realistically now for the opening of the season, or it won't, I mean, if they didn't have Gus Edwards, let's put it that way. If they didn't have Gus Edwards for some point, Tyson Williams might be their number two running back. I mean, I don't think Justice Hill would really be that. Uh, although, you know, they'd use him and they'd find ways to use him in packages. I think you want a guy like Williams is a little bit thicker, a little bit of a more of a stylistic match for what Edwards gives you uh, uh, to be in there. Yeah. Yeah, I, for the running backs in, in that phase, I didn't get a good look at what was going on at all. So uh, I, I didn't even know that he fumbled. I couldn't. I, I didn't see it where I was at standing. Uh, that's okay. By the way, if anybody's been to camp, there is so much going on there. It's really hard to focus. You don't see the same things everybody else sees. When you watch an actual football game and you have the chance to watch the same play 10 times, well, we all are watching. We're all cooking with water at that point. But, but you know, I, honestly, I'm fascinated by what's going on in some individual coaching matchups. I'm fascinated what's going on in the way they run certain offensive line drills. You know, you mentioned this this wide receiver drill. I just happen to be watching it, but on a lot of days I wouldn't have. I'd been watching something with defensive linemen or whatever. So it's it's almost like a three-ring circus going on or except it's more like a six-ring circus and it's it's really hard to follow everything. So uh uh no blame there in terms of that. Uh, I thought one other interesting thing I saw was the kickoff blocking drill. Now, I'm not a big special teams guy, but I did like this. Uh, Harbaugh's handprint is all over it in terms of how they set this up. But effectively, if you look at the way kickoffs in the NFL are now handled for blocking purposes, you have a bunch of guys that are up in the line of scrimmage with two of them offset from the line and the focus was on those two players and how they would drop back to a spot on the field and then set up to block going forward and they had to watch justin tucker move to a spot pretend to catch the ball and then use that as they ran back to determine where was their spot to block and fascinating how they picked the yard line there. So, you know, there's a little bit, maybe there's math on it and they have to say, oh, he's catching at the five. I got to, I got to block at the 35, okay. but whatever the, whatever the, they have to do, there's a little bit of mental gymnastics they have to get into. And then they, they have the, the field lined out with these strings that tells you how, what angle they're supposed to be taking towards a kickoff going left or right. So really fascinating kind of a view into how they, they teach special teams. I thought. Yeah. One the, of the, oh, oh, no, no. Oh, uh, yeah. So the, the special teams, I was going to say that the there was a period where they split it up on the two separate fields. And um, I can't recall them. You know, I've been a, it's hard to keep track of all, all that happens in training camps, but they, they seem to put special emphasis on training camps on the special teams more than I've seen in other places. Because like the I used to go to the Washington football team training camp. And I don't recall them putting the same emphasis on special teams. Yeah, it's, Harbaugh's background may have an influence on that. And they've certainly had good special teams here that I think have paid the freight on whatever additional practice time they're, they're spending here. So uh, it's been a good investment. One, one thing I did want to say about this was that Adafi Owe is playing some special teams. And one of the things, he's on this kickoff blocking. You, you, you wanted to go ahead. Go. Oh, look, my... Uh... My son saw um, Owe on special teams, and he's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> his his reaction to it was hilarious because he 
he uh he plays a bit and i was telling him how like uh a lot of times starters don't play on special teams and then when we saw owe going over there i was like good lord that imagine that dude running down the field on you yeah so and and this is just blocking but he's big and he's long and he would give he would give a lot of other players on special teams uh trouble and would certainly be an asset i would think on that uh, i think it's interesting that they're playing him there because he's a rookie and he will no doubt get some situational pass rush snaps i don't really i'm hearing a lot of people thinking oh 50 percent snaps 60 percent snaps no way no way for OA as a rookie at outside linebacker in the NFL. I just, if it happens, it'll be a trial by fire situation like happened with Ferguson where they didn't really want to play him that many snaps, but they did because of injuries. Uh, I don't think it'll be because they naturally want to have him play that many snaps. In fact, I think there's a lot of value to OA um, being highly rested and used in under 40% of the staffs, maybe 30% um, to really see if he, if that can increase his pass rush production as a rookie. I've been very focused both in terms of what he's learning but also in terms of how rested he is at, at, at the snap time to, to be effective mm, that's, that's interesting for um for Owe, i think what's going to be enticing about him is that he's very good in the run game so i wonder if the because in, in in the the run game is something that wink i mean like all all defensive coordinators care about that but it's part of the reason why Ngakwe wasn't on the field toward the end because oh, he's, sure. he's um, a liability there. So um, I, I'm wondering if the his his strength in the run game may be enticing to get him on the field, you know, more than expected. Yeah, I think that that's a valid possibility. Um, the, uh, people need to not underestimate how difficult it is to play the run at the NFL level with more complex run schemes and the like the higher likelihood of a pass occurring on plays. So there's a lot of decision making that has to be done by NFL edge players that's that's really difficult. And and a player like McPhee who's very experienced with that is to me the more natural guy that you want playing more rush snaps. Of course, McPhee snaps, we always have said, have he handed out with an eyedropper. Yeah. Uh, is, you know, you know, seemingly, you know, you're always concerned about, about what might happen. But, but he's, a, he's, a, he's the Ravens, I think, best um, rush linebacker right now in terms of run stopping, even with what we've seen from away in college. I think what away could give them is a lot of backside um, ability to pursue and not get beat on reverses. So if, if, if you have one guy who can like kind of take that away all by himself, that's a really big deal. Yep. Yeah. So he's a, he's good there. I did want to say one more thing about a way in special teams though. Three separate times he was pulled over by the coach and given some, some barking at about how he should set up for a block and how he should do it. I don't take that as a bad sign at all. What that tells me is they really want him to work out in this specific role. They wouldn't bother. You know, it's, it's somebody else not even going to make the team. Don't even bother. I mean, just don't waste your breath. You know, need to get higher. That's enough. You know, kind of thing. But, but if with, with him, they're going, okay, plant your feet here. Get your arms up like this. Do You know, all of this, you know, co- extra coaching from TJ Weist uh, w- was going on out there. And I, and I thought that's really a sign. They want Adafi Owe to be this kind of a special weapon on, a, on the kickoff return. Yeah. I, I can't think of the guy's name i feel like there was a linebacker on seattle that it was like a uh, a field goal block like i think he blocked two or three a year like hmm. i think it's seattle but i mean like if if he blocks one i mean that's huge like like that's that's a game changer mm-hmm. so yeah, that's yeah a- so uh, and and he could he could find a seam for a for a return man that's really but you know what what i think they want from this but his length is a huge weapon in exactly that. And, and, you know, once containment breaks down pretty quickly, if one lane breaks down, if two lanes next to each other break down, it's usually a touchdown. But but if if one guy really breaks down his assignment, isn't where he's supposed to be to slow the play down, you often lose it. And if a way can be that guy to, to, to break that scene, that'd be great. Uh, no bad snaps today for a second consecutive day. That's a good thing. You're only supposed to have about, you know, probably – four tenths or six tenths of a bad snap per day. But so we're not talking big gains relative to the two bad snaps on day one, but it's, it's nice to see that Bozeman is, uh, is delivering the ball on target. And so are the other centers. 
All right, and I thought we'd, we'd finish up talking about McSorley and Huntley here. I thought both of them are playing quite well in uh, the absence of Lamar. Uh, it's obviously not the situation the team wants, but they're both getting lots of rep. Huntley, I think, is probably slightly outplaying McSorley at this point. I think for other reasons, he's the likely guy because he's younger and has two more years of con- team control, so to speak, um, uh, is, is the more likely to be the uh, player on the team. But I think the Ravens will, will try and keep them both. And McSorley is a kind of quarterback. I just don't see another team jumping on and, and taking off the Ravens practice squad, honestly. Yep. That's, uh, that's one of the benefits of having a very unique offense that requires such a unique skill set. Because, I mean, like, I think Trace is a better runner than people recall. Like, at Penn State, he ran a mm-hmm. ton. And there's not a lot of NFL offenses around, like, maybe one other team, two other teams that that are looking for that type of thing. And, it, and it's not enough to, to, for them to like scoop them up. And I was, uh, <clears throat> I, I also think that Tyler has, has looked better. Uh, I feel like Tyler just seems a little bit smoother. Um, I like his footwork better. He's brisk with it. Uh, he always ends up on a good wide base. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, how the reps are split because I feel like Trace kind of always comes out with the first unit and gets the, the first dibs there and maybe we'll see a, a transition or who knows how they'll do it. Yeah, I think at this point, I think you'd have to guess that that first game coming up in what, 15 days now? Uh, we're going to see Huntley and McSorley only and not Jackson given how limited the amount of time getting back to uh, the field will be at that point for Lamar. So if, if that ends up being the case, then uh, yeah, I think we would probably see McSorley first and then Huntley. And then I think in the, in the second game, we might see Huntley first and then McSorley off the bench so that Huntley gets a chance against more of the number one well, yeah. kind of players or, or number two, at least early number two players for that other team. And, and even though in the practices, like the trace gets the, the, the first dibs, Tyler does get his chance to go against the the top defense also. So he's. Yeah. Yeah. Been, uh, been good. So uh, another great day of practice. All kind, yes, please. So I, I did have a, a couple of things that I noticed that, that stood out to me. Um, they, when the quarterbacks broke up for seven on seven um, for the, for the passing scale, Two of them did the regular um, passing scale that you would see, and then one of them would work only with the backs. And then they were doing uh, different kind of like check down routes, uh, routes over the middle, like Texas and China routes on that side. And there, I I feel like sometimes you hear coach speak, oh, we're going to do this, oh, we're going to do that. And I I feel like maybe they really are going to try to pass to the backs more this year. Yeah, I, that's a drill, obviously, and and it's part of the multi-ring circus that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to. I did see the two quarterbacks were there on the far right side of field three, and they were passing to two different groups who were running routes, which I think is realistically about as much as you can do on the width of a football field at one time. So you're saying like the, they had Kenji Bahar, or they had whoever whoever else was not throwing of the three off on it somewhere else. Yeah, so like they they were uh, on the. On the field to the to the far side, um, I guess it would be the back almost, uh, where like most field. yeah, where like most of the action took place. At some point, they had split the field in half, and then um, there, there would be two quarterbacks facing one direction, one quarterback mm-hmm. facing another direction, and then it was it was only Trace and Trace and Tyler that worked with the backs, and then mm-hmm. the other would three would rotate at the other time. So it would be like. Trace and then the other two and then Tyler and then the other two would I, but yeah, I, so. obviously I missed the other half of this that's interesting the way you mentioned this but like I say there's a lot going on at one time in the, at, uh, at camp that's for yeah. sure and it's fun to watch and you can do what you can do and then you know you, we we don't claim by any stretch that we saw everything in terms no, of play. absolutely not. some player who, who who made three or four plays and I missed it entirely so oh, yeah. uh, I mean there's a uh, like I, I feel like everybody who has a chance should come come down there. It's like if you're a football nerd, 
it's like football nerd out like sensory overload there's yep. things going on in this field things going on on that field there's a lot exactly right you know you know it's like it's like watching the first day of the ncaa tournament where you've got a situation in your home where you've got four tvs and you can watch all the games at once it's like you know you oh, can't yeah. possibly keep up with that but it's you know, it's good it's been an absolute pleasure to talk football oh you got one more thing oh yeah so i got two more notes um one is that uh even despite the, I know like people might be surprised that we're talking about defensive line and how can you talk about defensive line without the pads? But, and I'm, I'm not sure how much it's, it's safe to say, but the Ravens have a more, you can tell more from their non padded practices than you can from like some of the, like my frame of reference is Washington. When Washington isn't wearing pads, then they're not, they're not touching each other, basically. But the Ravens, <laughs> the, the the Ravens have a more um, robust contact approach than um, other teams would. So you so you, you can see hand placement. You can see definitely the reaction of the defensive lineman to speed. Mm-hmm. So like to me, I was kind of surprised how physical a non pattern practice was. So um so that was that something that stood out to me and uh, one of the guys I wanted to mention was um uh Stevens uh Stevens mm-hmm. um he was out there at uh, at strong safety assault times at free safety assault times and he's despite being very thickly built he's he's fluid and that's that's something that I like to see or kind of notice from from the different players and I, I liked how fluid he his movement was third round pick so you know they didn't pick a guy in the third round to be just a dime back but i think as a rookie he'll probably play hopefully he won't play free safety because that means elliot's hurt but but hopefully he will play on the dime package and they may even find another use for him where he can come in uh as a fourth dime, sorry a fourth safety and say a quarter package they've run that a little bit in the rex ryan era so th- there there are various ways they could get brandon stevens on the field but in the end i think he's going to be a free safety for the baltimore ravens and the initial results are very positive and i think some of the commentary from martindale um is even at the level of effusivity uh, and uh, that meaning he's being extremely right. effusive mm-hmm. uh, about him that, that, that uh, I would be surprised if he ends up not being a ball player at this point. Oh yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if you, if, if you saw this, but I, I remember early on reading that he was at cornerback for some of the early OTA practices. And I'm like, That's- if, He's he played everywhere at SMU, and not only did he play everywhere, he played everywhere on a buy down basis. So they would move him around. He'd be free safety on on first down, and then he move up to play slot corner. As soon as the other team forced a nickel, he might play outside corner on some place. He played multiple DB positions. It's actually very hard to watch tape of Brandon Stevens from SMU because you have to find him by his red shoes. He had bright red shoes. Otherwise, very hard to read the numbers on a lot of the, you know, the grainy college kind of uh, regular broadcast video. And, and you have to use, you know, use these advanced techniques <laughs> finding him by the bright red shoes. Speaking of that, a, a real quick point on that note, I remember having to chart um, like a Penn State game like years ago. And it's like, you, I used to love players that have accents on their, on their stuff. Cause it's like, oh, all right, this guy with the double armbands is him, you know. Anyway, small note, but yeah. So Stevens, like, and if like that versatility, and it's, I'm glad that I heard you say that because that versatility, if he's able to do that, provide any inkling of that at the NFL level, that's such to have a player that can line up like nickel or like nickel or free safety or maybe even corner in the NFL game where you have a movable chess piece that's that's very valuable oh yeah it's 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 incredibly valuable to have that i mean you you your injuries in the secondary define your season year after year and last year the ravens incredibly i mean they were defined in a in a certain way because they had injuries that precluded them from playing the dime pretty early on that defined part of their year but fortunately they didn't have that next injury to either clark or elliot that would have ruined them. 
I know, they, you right? know they would have been you know without without you know been down to one safety effectively um but but you know how many years have the ravens been defined at corner by either an injury to Tavon or an injury to any number of other outside corners that has just just absolutely killed them anyway apologize for that and uh, uh we'll uh, uh have to call it a, a show here as well ed really appreciate having you on i love these conversations with you it's always much more fun to talk football with someone who's who's so into it at this level and uh, and uh, even though we're, we're just delivering a fairly simple camp notes piece that we have to yep. do on a daily basis love taking the extra time with you today buddy oh thank you and it was and i, I just want the people that if the listeners to know that this is like completely impromptu like this wasn't planned. We just bumped into each other at camp today. Like, because <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's, and, it's, and, and like, it's, it's, uh, and even watching regular training camp is, is hard in general. Right. But then like I had like my, my sons and my son's friend with me. So it's like, Oh my God. And then for like, the, the, I want to give a quick plug to the training camp because like there's all types of activities behind and that, that, that saved me. Like there was like a kid slide, um, there was food. So then after a while they were like, ah, uh, they got border practice and went and, and were on the slides for an hour. But your, your kids were tolerant to staying there for the entire two hours and change because of the other activities is what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. That's a, that is a good save. The Ravens do a great job with camp. If, if you don't get to go, it's, it's, a, it's a darn shame. It's a, it's a lot of fun, and they, uh, they do have a lot of things to go. The stadium practice, in a way, is, you know, there's less things to do because they got to keep people in their seats and whatnot, but there's a, still a lot going on in the field, and I think you'll get a sense for, for uh, some of what uh, Ed and I have been talking about today. Anyway, Ed, love having you on here, buddy. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Let's, let's work on another film study short idea at some point, and we'll have you on during the regular season for a at least one game if you got time for that all right sounds good all right uh take it easy and talk to you next time on film study Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.